Coming up on this edition of Locked on Wizards, the Wizards get their first win of the NBA restart in their final game of the season. Discussing the Wizards' win over the Celtics and also to tank or not to tank? That is the question. NBA writer for Bleach Report and author of Tanking to the Top, Yaron Weitzman, joins the show as we discuss the future of the Wizards. All that and more right here on Locked on Wizards. Hi, happy Friday, and welcome to another edition of Locked on Wizards. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. And also, in bigger news, the Wizards won. The Wizards got their first win of the NBA restart as they closed out their season. But what a way to do it. And definitely ending on a high note. We saw in the win for the Wizards, they were led by 26 points, 9 rebounds from Thomas Bryant. Troy Brown Jr. finished with 17 points, 8 rebounds. We also saw Ish Smith finish in double figures with 11 points, 8 assists. Jerome Robinson was the fourth and final Wizards player to finish in double figures with 10 points. Rui Hachimura did not play in the game as he was out with quad soreness. And head coach Scott Brooks had a nice joke post game, saying if he had known that sitting Rui would help the team win, he would have done that long ago. But all jokes aside, for head coach Scott Brooks, he was just really proud of the way that his team played. He said that he felt the team had a great experience, a lot of good growth in this bonding experience. And they didn't get the wins that they wanted, but they at least got the last one. And we saw the Wizards make some big plays down the stretch. But overall, from the first scrimmage against the Nuggets to the final game against the Celtics and their win over the Celtics, I should say, we saw a lot of growth and we saw a lot of progress. I mean, Coach Brooks is right about that. You can't have watched each of those games and not seen the individual and team progression from start to finish. The confidence, their shooting, their defensive abilities. We saw them grow up a little bit. And, you know, if you're anyone that's involved in the Wizards organization as a player, as a staff member, a coach, you've got to be happy about it. You know, of course, coming in, everybody had goals of making the playoffs, but we knew not everybody was going to make the playoffs. And, the Wizards are one of those teams on the outside looking in, first to go home, but to see the development from the guys throughout the time in the bubble, you know, it's, a, it's very encouraging, especially knowing that moving forward, now you can bring back some bigger pieces in Beal, Wall, DB. And for Thomas Bryant, he led the team in points and was also discussing post-game, you know, what they had to do in this game to really close it out. And he was mentioning that it feels good. It's not the expectation that they wanted, but it feels good to close out with a win. And he had this to say on the team's focus for the victory. Really what we wanted to do was just focus on the defensive end. We knew we were up and the offense was going to take care of itself. We knew we had to get stops and rebound the ball against a very aggressive uh, Celtics team. And they had some really good scores out there. Luckily, we made them miss and we got the rebound. So that's the main focus. I tried to make sure that, that my team was uh, – mainly focus on the defensive end because I knew the offense was going to take care of itself. So as we've talked about many times, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I have said that multiple times on this show. Troy Brown Jr. said the exact same thing post-game. It's the truth. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And to see the Wizards walk away with a 96-90 win in their final game over number three Celtics, of course the Celtics did play most of their bench, but a win is a win at the end of the day for these players to have a few weeks in the bubble and finally get to walk away with a win. That in itself is literally a small victory. But all jokes aside, you know, I think it's just a big confidence booster to know that they, they didn't go down there and just get swept and, and lose every game. And for Troy Brown Jr., 
and talking about the concept of it not being a mar- not being a sprint, excuse me, but being a marathon and seeing the bigger picture, he spoke post-game on the team's patience and understanding that and knowing that this season may be over, but it's time to continue building and building on what we've seen from this team, what they've learned about themselves. You know, I, you have to know that each player, each coach, each staff member, everybody involved walked away having learned something about themselves and about the guys around them. And for Troy Brown Jr., he spoke post-game about what he's learned from himself and his teammates this season. I would say the biggest thing for me, uh, just like as teammates, is this is the first time we had to hold each other accountable, you know, like from a young guy perspective and just, you know, Thomas may say something to me and I'll be like, okay, my fault. Or like I may say something to Thomas, you know, it's, it's reciprocated. We hold each other to the same standard and regardless of our record or not, we all built that relationship with each other. And so I feel like going into next season will definitely help because we can hold each other accountable and just make sure that we're on top of everything, regardless of who's saying it or how it's said, rather than what's the message. And as Ish Smith said earlier this week, we'll see who gets the last laugh. The Wizards season did come to an end, unfortunately, not the way that was expected and not the way that they had hoped. Overall finishing with just 25 wins on the season for a 25 and 47 record. But as a whole, you have to walk away with a positive, having ended on a high note with a win over the Celtics. So coming up, we've got to get into the future. As we now prepare for what's next, I think it's a great time to talk about how to rebuild. And joining us here on Locked on Wizards, we've got NBA writer for Bleacher Report and author of Tanking to the Top, Yaron Weitzman, a man that I call an expert on tanking because he's studied it, he's interviewed over 100 people to discuss it, and has a lot of perspective on tanking so to tank or not to tank that is the question and we'll be getting into that and more right here on locked on wizards let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy that's right you can do both if you know me you know i have a sweet tooth i enjoy cupcakes cookies brownies all the sweets and built bar actually has delicious flavors Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel. Yes, caramel, not caramel. And peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com to try the best tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you from me to you, you will not regret it. Joining us now here on Locked on Wizards, we've got NBA writer for Bleacher Report and author of Tanking to the Top, Yaron Weitzman. Welcome, Yaron. How are you? I'm great or okay. I don't know. How how are any of us these days? But I appreciate you having me on. So thank you. (laughs) No problem. No problem. It's a loaded question, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I'm definitely interested to know now that we're watching the seeding games come to a close. And uh, we've seen how the NBA restart has started off. Your initial thoughts and takeaways from the excitement, intensity, the 
breakout bubble performances, I guess you can call them, mm-hmm. and just the overall way that Adam Silver and the NBA has returned the league back to us to, to close out the season so far. Yeah, I feel like – so first of all, I feel like I need to say, like, I was a cynic. I'm a cynic in general, right, you know, which I guess is part of the job. But I was kind of – I don't know. I was kind of down on this whole thing. It seemed to me crazy that we'd be coming back and – with the state the country is in, in terms of the morals of it, in terms of whether this plan was feasible. And uh, I've been proven incredibly wrong. And I'm very happy about that, right? Like it's been, it's been going really well. I have been so surprised, pleasantly surprised, how, um, how visually, how normal the games have looked on TV. How if you watch mm-hmm. games on TV, I don't seem like, I'm not noticing much of a difference. I think people say who are in the arena say it's a little different but from the tv standpoint like it's been great i'm having a blast it's been so much fun it's amazing um how when you cut out the bottom eight teams in the league how much better the competition is or how much <laughs> how much better the games are though i guess like on a wizards podcast we can joke you know the wizards like let's say there were 22 teams there i think the other 21 like you know fans are looking and 21 the other 22 <laughs> 22 teams they're excited to see and the wizards maybe the nets and magic we can throw in there as well right um, yeah watch it here yeah it <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's just, it's just been a blast it's really been it's just been so much fun to watch the game's been great the intensity has been great i've been uh it's been nice to have some to have sports back like this it has it has there have been a lot of storylines which is one of the greatest things i think to watch is just you know, even I know for the Phoenix Suns going 8-0, you know, and also just seeing what they've been doing off the floor. Like, they're a team that actually stands out to me because I saw them do their pregame announcements that they did for the starting five. They had the family members of the Suns players and coach do the announcement for them. You have mm-hmm. them do, like, just these little behind-the-scenes videos. Um, it was, it's been very engaging, interactive, exciting to watch because I feel like this is a time where getting to not only watch – teams play but also learn a lot about them you know it's I, I feel like for the NBA bubble and even for the WNBA wobble as I was just watching the WNBA games on Thursday night you know I feel like you're getting to know the players a lot more as people off the floor as well so I do think it's kind of allowing sports to take a, a turn and a step in the right direction as we've been seeing not only messages of positivity and social justice but also them just be people these like funny IG stories and vlogs and things like that have been great. Do you have a highlight I, so far of the NBA restart? A highlight of the NBA restart? Um, I mean, watching Damian Lillard do his thing has been just amazing. Though I could do without the, uh, what he say to the reporters, put respect on my bleeping name or whatever. Um, really, do you I never know. I'm always confused, <laughs> but like, I don't know who he's talking. I mean, I know, I guess there's a Skip Bayless thing, whatever, but like, what exactly i just i don't like like i don't know most reporters think uh damian lillard's really good i don't know i guess I, the manufactured you know chip on the shoulder has always bothered me but besides that um no watching him play has been a lot of fun um i mean we'll talk about it i'm i'm always fascinated by everything going on in sixers land so that hasn't necessarily been fun but it's been fascinating um the sun yeah the suns you mentioned the suns just like seeing a team like that young team kind of uh come together um, I don't know. I feel like now I'm missing moments, right? What, what, are there big moments I'm missing? I mean, Lillard, I feel like, is the big – I guess Lillard and the Suns are yeah. the big story, right? Yeah, I think for me, mine would be TJ Warren, um, his breakout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that 54, the 54 points Come against on, the Sixers. That, that was pretty – man, you know, I forgot he, about that. Yeah. Honestly, the fire has died down a little bit around him <laughs> as of late. That's probably why because in these – it's only been a couple of weeks, but – 
you know, he really grabbed and shook the world by attention, shook the world and got their attention, I should say, with his back-to-back performances and, you know, against the Sixers and then the Wizards. But of course, Dame and, and Devin Booker, yeah, have been like the players that have really stood out the most, and I know they're having talking about the all bubble first team and second team, and those three mm-hmm. without a doubt are headlining that. Yeah, I would let's, say. Yeah, I let's talk about the Sixes a little bit. So I know in your your book, you actually are focused on the Sixers and and the trust in the process, which you know, being in Jersey and having followed the Sixers closely. And the concept of tanking to the top, I feel that every single letter of it. Um, but mm-hmm. for the Sixers as a whole, they've done all this work to become a team that's in the, at the top of the league and yet still don't seem like they're just there yet. As we're watching, Joel Embiid, I don't know if he can stay healthy at all. I don't know if now it's a matter of him actually getting hurt or if he just doesn't even want to play. The wrist injury was like juvenile when I was watching that play happen I'm like what am I even what am I even looking at you know I don't even see an injury there but that's neither here nor there I'm not an expert I'm not Joel Embiid I don't feel his pain literally but looking at the Sixers as a whole as a team that's yet again is underperforming I'm gonna ask my first question did their tanking and trust in the process did it pay off or are we still missing something here um yes and yes how about that how's that for a good answer that's a great well, answer. i w- i can't tell you how many people on twitter would respond to me you know take like you know they see the title when the book came out and say to the top to the top of what and to which i always responded you know taking to the top just or tanking to um tanking to the sixth place you know seat in the eastern conference just doesn't have the same ring to it so i apologize um, how did you think about that when you wrote your book tanking to number <laughs> six um so, so it's, it's such like a hard question to answer. So, okay, the short answer I always say is, yeah, I believe before they were sort of lost and rudderless and their games didn't matter. They, they did not matter. Um, they have not won a championship yet, but they matter. You know, we're talking about them. You're a Washington Wizards podcast. You're having me on to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Um, they matter. They're covered on ESPN. They have superstars. They're just a team that matters. If you're a Sixers mm-hmm. fan, you're coming home and you're watching every game and you're paying attention to everything that's going on. And before that, that was not the case. And, and that's because you are a contender. Obviously, I'm putting that in quotes. Like, they're not going to win the championship this year. It changes year to year. But just if we're, you know, expanding the term, this is a team that you can see them winning a championship at some point within the next few seasons. It doesn't mean you bet on it, but it's a possibility which is not the case for most NBA teams. Um, the other thing I would say is it's so hard to judge. You know, Sam Hinkie comes in. It was his process, obviously. But, like, the analogy I give is if you're an architect and you come in and you start a project and then you get yanked off the project halfway through and somebody else finishes it, is it fair to judge you on the final results? So partially, yes, right? Because it was your fault. If, if you got yanked off, that could have been your fault. There could have been some mistakes. The foundation was you that laid that. But it's also you would imagine the final product would look um, different. And I would imagine that the Sixers would look different if Sam Hinkie was still around. Hmm, that's a great, great analogy. I love that. That makes complete sense because, you know, we are – the process has – changed architects over the course of the years it's not the same initial vision it's not the same um current vision you know it's it's had to change as the team has changed and as the personnel has as well so you know i want to get more into this concept of tanking because as the wizards just wrapped up their final game of the nba restart and are now looking towards the future there have been people that have had this 
mindset of just throw it all away and start from scratch and or tank or whatever, whatever it may be for a drastic overhaul of the Washington Wizards. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. And we'll get into that right here when we get back on Locked on Wizards. Should the Wizards tank? Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Here on Locked on Wizards, joining us, it's NBA writer for Bleacher Report and author of Tanking to the Top, Yaron Weitzman. And we talked about the Sixers tanking, whether or not it paid off for them in the past as the trust the process concept is still being played out and we're watching them still climb to the top. But the question around the Wizards, to tank or not to tank, as we jokingly have agreed on, that is the question. (laughs) (laughs) Not to sound too Shakespearean on you. You know, as the Wizards wrap up their NBA restart and are heading back to D.C., there have been conversations around what the future of the Wizards should look like, what changes need to be made, trades, off-season moves. Of course, we're going to see what happens with the NBA lottery, but just a lot of question marks. But my biggest question that I'm going to pose to you as someone who's, I'm going to say an expert on tanking in a sense, since you wrote. <laughs> sure. Now <laughs> before gonna, I wrote the book. No. <laughs> I'm going to W expert on tanking. To tank or not to tank, what do you think the wizard should do in this situation? Oh, you're putting me, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean they are they are one of the more fascinating teams in that right here. Let me uh, let me filibuster first, but they're they're one of the most fascinating teams with that because one, it seems like there's been a and you would know this better than I, but I think there's been a fan base or a faction of the fan base who've been clamoring for that right, and people mm-hmm. surprised that even they they resigned Bradley Beal and are so adamant about not trading him right, which would be it's actually it's funny as we bring it up there are analogies. Between between the two teams, the Wizards were sort of like the Sixers pre-Sam Hinkie, where they had sort of topped out at, I don't remember, maybe 45 wins, whatever it was. Maybe you get to the second round if you get hot one year. Um, but that's really your ceiling. Um, you can even say like Drew Holiday, who the Sixers traded and had signed to a new contract. Is, he wasn't as good as Bradley Beal, but there were similarities back then. Um, so it's interesting. And Sam Hinkie obviously recognized there was no shot at that. Or he believed there was that team had no shot at winning. And he figured that was all that mattered, winning a championship. Um, I know the Wizards. It's an interesting question. I don't know if you have to go outright like that. I like. I know they've changed directions a little bit last season they didn't tank but they stopped chasing the eighth seed which was a big philosophical change for them um and i think most fans would agree and most um people around basketball think that was a savvy move to stop chasing those and you don't chase the present you start building to the future a little bit Mm -hmm. they haven't pulled the plug completely that would i guess entail trading bradley beal and i think they want to see what those two guys what him and wall look like when they're on the court together and i get it um I do think, though, I guess I'm, I'm not answering your question fully with my opinion. I do think the, uh, this point is coming, this fork in the road point is coming soon where they're going to have to make a decision um, into what they do. The other thing that throws a curveball to all this is who the hell knows what like, the next year and a half of life for NBA basketball looks like, right? It's a funky hmm. thing. Yeah. And that can change planning, too. And I say that not to poke fun, just, you know, next season could start in March. And it just, there's so many things up in the air. It's so hard to do long-term team building right now or team planning right now. I mean, who would have thought a year ago when we were watching the summer league last August that we'd be sitting watching 
or preparing for the NBA playoffs this August. You know, right. we just, you yep. just never know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You don't know. And like the salary cap things and rule, just all yeah. this is CBA stuff. It's all so up in the air. Um, it's so, it's just, it's really difficult to make these sort of, this, to plan in that sort of way right now. And that's something that I've had a lot of conversations around. When you look at the current young Wizards group that we saw in Orlando, players like Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant, Shabazz Napier, mm-hmm. uh, Isak Bonga, just the list, all the players that are in Orlando right now, you have to assume that not all those same players will be back next year. And so although it is, there's always a question of what to do around Beal and Wall, and even for Davis Bertans, but as a whole, there's, there will be some moves made. So it's not as simple as saying trade this one person or two people and try to b- and go from there because we just don't know with you know cap space and contracts and, of course, as the draft comes up, what is going to happen. So it's not as, it's not as like cut and dry either way, and that's why like I always like to have these hypothetical speculatory conversations around the fact that we just really don't know who will be back? Shoot, head coach Scott Brooks might not even be back. Like, we have no idea what may change between now and, let's just say, the start of next season, let alone deeper into the, you know, the upcoming season. But I will ask you this. In terms of any sort of tanking or even rebuilding, because I think rebuilding is not a full tank. It's just kind of like, um, you know, relaying the foundation in a sense and changing, you know, some major, making some major changes without a complete overhaul. For the Wizards, which have had a number of players show out in the bubble and just kind of show that they are worth being a part of this franchise moving forward, now when you bring back Beal, Wall, and DB, hopefully be a team that's at least competing in the Mm -hmm. Eastern Conference for a playoff spot, if not higher. You know, I think my question is, how much, when you talk about this change and rebuild, when you look at the Sixers as our comparison, have have you seen where they take a chance on a player or pass up on a player and it just completely backfires. I think about Markel Fultz, um, Mikel Bridges, Zaire Smith, you know, Nerlens Noel. There are a number of players over the – Andre Godala we can go back as far as. Um, you mentioned Drew Holiday. There are a number of players that over the course of their change have gone well or not so well. So in terms of the Wizards' rebuild, you know, how much of that do you consider with – like, if you're rebuilding the Wizards, do you look at the fact that the Sixers, for instance, maybe passed up on some players that they should have had on the team or took a chance at, let's say, the number one overall pick in Markel Fultz? That was a complete backfire. I don't even know if there's a question in there, but I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, well, so, okay, no, it's, it's interesting. Okay, so, so um, the Fultz thing is different because that, that was a philosophical change, and that was Brian Colangelo after Sam Hinkie had been ousted. Sam Hinkie's whole thing was swings of the plate. He kind of approached it like, you know, I'm playing blackjack. You want the odds. So the idea was, and there, some people could take issue with part of this, but drafting is really hard. It's a lot of luck goes involved. I am not going to pretend I'm better at it or much better at it than anybody else. But what I am going to do is I'm going to get as many swings of the plate. That was his phrase, swings of the plate as possible, right? So I might miss on two, but if I get four top five picks, if I hit two, that's all that, that's all that will matter. Um, and he was about a collect. He, his whole philosophy was about collecting those assets, those picks, and getting as many swings at the plate as possible. Um, the Markel Fultz trade was sort of a change, right? It was the idea we're going to trade 
two lottery picks for <laughs> to move up for one. We think we think we nailed this guy. We think we know this one. We nailed it. Um, to be fair to them, I think everybody except the Boston Celtics believed Fultz was something that he has turned out not to be. Um, it's true. So so it, you know you can criticize, but that uh, that might be more of an anomaly. Um, so it's fascinating. So in terms of the Wizards, yeah, I mean that's kind of the question here. Like at what point? It's hard. You can do it. It's hard to it's hard to rebuild in the NBA in an effective way that can really alter your franchise's dynamic and its trajectory without fully committing to it. I guess that's the que- that's the thing, right? At some mm-hmm. point, it feels like you have to dive fully in. Sometimes you can pull it off. Sometimes you can do the, uh, you know, like the Toronto Raptors did it. That's a good example, right? Where they they never tanked. They got a bunch of good players and they made some good draft picks and then they were able to turn that into a trade for a superstar and win a championship. So it is possible, but it is, um, it's more difficult that way as opposed to something like Sixers or even, you know, the Nets is a different example where I know it hasn't paid off the same way, but they basically, and they didn't have their own draft picks, so it was orchestrated in a different way, but they had very clear philosophical direction that they were headed and they, they were all in on that. And the Wizards right now are kind of in the middle ground of they have all these young guys that they've that they started collecting and trying to give a shot give shots to um but they also still have Beal and Wall locked in and it's it's hard to um it's it's hard to do both and the thing with Beal and Wall obviously and Wall especially is that contract you know we don't know what Wall looks like and his contract would be almost impossible to move without mm-hmm. back a lot and that obviously throws curveball so that I'm sure plays a role into the decision to okay let's see what him and Beal and you know Bertons look like like maybe that can be a top five offense and you figure out how to plug some things on defense and hey who knows maybe we get 48 wins out of that and that can be something Hmm. a lot of food for thought so you know I think something that really again drew me to want to have this conversation with you is the fact that you actually in your book took time to sit down and interview around 175 people yeah (laughs) um so i that's why when i jokingly named you the expert but you really took your time to do the research and to kind of go behind the scenes and get like the the blueprint and a lot of insight on the process itself and for the wizards you know as they're now in their own rebuild mode i you know i'm definitely interested to know your major takeaways without fully spoiling it because we want to drive people to read your book and they should. It might be a great way to get some, some more insight and, and preparation for rebuilding. Who knows? It could be like a, a, a nice blueprint for someone to follow. But I'm definitely interested to know, having had those conversations, if you're the Wizards, what are the main things that you took away from those conversations that they should be looking to do in this rebuild? That's a good question. Um... Interesting. No, I've not been asked. I've been asked a lot of the same questions. That one's different. Ah, um, yes. That's a small victory. So, okay, I'm going to talk it out a little bit, right? So the Sixers, this isn't from the Wizards. The Sixers, Sam Hinkie made some mistakes. I don't think the Wizards would do this. They're built differently, and they look at things differently. Sam Hinkie, um, he he did not put a premium on – he kind of – player development, and when I mean player development, I mean in terms of developing them, you know, as professionals the same way. That was not an area where they put a premium on. Um, They were big on skills development, and Mm – there were some issues there and I detail a lot of these in the book and some of these are on the coaching staff, but I guess creating a culture of accountability was a, uh, was a problem in Philadelphia at that time. There were a lot of reasons for that. Um, not all, no single person to blame. So people mm-hmm. can check out the book to get all of those. I just, <laughs> I, I like think, it. yeah, I think, um, 
losing there is a losing can be toxic but i guess the idea is just it's a you can get around that maybe not three four years and if but if you have young guys they just want to play you can get around that um i think bringing in veterans helps but when people say veterans i think sometimes people you know i should say leaders veteran leaders right i think sometimes people just if you hang around the league for 12 years people just you get the label of leader attached to you even if it's mm-hmm. not warranted right just because you're old or been around for a long time doesn't mean you're the right guy to be a leader on a losing team full of young guys like that's a specific type of personality and skill set and i think those guys are rare and those are the guys you want not just some old guy who's been around for 12 seasons um so i think bringing guys like that are important and i think the other thing to learn is just you gotta you gotta be patient and stick to your plan so the sixers for everything that went wrong and all the issues had um <laughs> had they been had they stuck to the timeline they went on i guess i should say it like this the some the them being stuck in the mud here right now and feeling like a six seed without much of a way out i believe a lot of that is because they decided to try to chase the championship really quickly after being patient for three or four seasons and i think you just have to kind of stick to your plan but the Mm. problem is it's easy to say you're going to be into rebuilding you're going to be patient and uh ownership and executives often lose their patience on that pretty quickly and that's i guess would be part of the thing to be wary of so what you're saying is the hardest part of the process is trusting the process. Yeah, look at that. Look at ah, that. But it's, but it's true though, right? It's true. I always bring up, and I know you probably have to go soon, but I always bring up um, the team's owner, right? Like everyone says they're into it. Josh Harris, everyone says they're into it. They want to be patient, but owning a team is supposed to be fun. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, if your team stinks, it's not as much fun. And I always go back. Josh Harris at um, a Sloan sports conference was quoted as he said, um, this is, I'm not going to get it exact, but something along the lines of we own a $2 billion chemical company and nobody cares about it, but everyone has an opinion on the Sixers starting lineup. And these guys like I, and I find that I found that so telling because I think that explained him so well that, you know, these guys, you come in from other businesses or you think, you know, what you're getting into or what you are about to embark on. And it's just much different when you're in it. And these guys care what people think and they can be influenced and being told by a bunch of people whether it's fans whether it's a league office Mm -hmm. whether it's your rich buddies or your executives you know on other teams like hey this team your team stinks it's it's annoying like this is ridiculous um it can be hard to stick to to stick to your plan and that pressure really does in a way change what you may have wanted to do because now you're you have all those outside voices that are making you feel like the process isn't working or you know you're not on the right path and this is actually a metaphor that a lot of people deal with in life in general when you're in any process in life not to get super deep on on you guys but when you're in any process of life and you have this like five-year plan for instance and someone else is is chirping away and now you rush and try to make it a three-year plan when the timing may not have allowed it to really be as effective in three as it would have been in five so that your Mm -hmm. your point to that for the sixers actually speaks a lot of to what a lot of teams may struggle with um just understanding that you just have to gradually get better and it's not going to be a major jump from being one of the worst teams in the conference to one of the best teams in the conference unless you're in the case of like the warriors for instance because they have injuries you bring back clay thompson next year you know with a healthy steph draymond green you know, and whatever other pieces they're able to bring in, that's a team that probably is jumping from last in the conference to a top or at least a more competitive spot in the West. But for a team like the Wizards, for instance, it may take a little bit more time. And just because it's not from last to the tanking to the top, um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that the process isn't working. It just might mean it needs more time. So I, I like that. I feel like you just made me think 
way deeper than I actually anticipated when I originally asked you that question because that is my specialty. I feel like we also deal with in life, just trusting our own process. So this is becoming locked on life. (laughs) Um, So you know what? Let's tell people where they can follow you to keep up with what you're doing um, to also check out your book and just to, if they're interested in learning more on and reading more on tanking to the top and your content for Bleacher Report, where they can find all of that. Yeah, you can check me out on Bleacher Report or uh, on, the, uh, on the Twitter machine, as they say, or uh, <laughs> check out my book, Tanking to the Top. It is available where all books are sold. Um, or you can do the audio book if you like the sound of my voice. You can hear me read you the audio book. So I, I would recommend uh, going, with the written, going with the written version instead. But. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I've always wondered how they pick who does the audios. for. This, audio it was books. me. <laughs> ah, wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure to be able to have this conversation and get a little bit deeper into the concept of tanking. As an expert like yourself, join Locked On Wizards. So I appreciate you joining us, Yaron, and talking through the NBA, the Wizards, the Sixers, and your book, Tanking to the Top. Thank you for having me on. It was uh, my pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked On Wizards. Although the Wizards season may have ended on Thursday, still plenty to talk about as we move forward into the postseason, the NBA lottery, and much more here on Locked On Wizards. So hit that subscribe button so you can catch our daily content Monday through Friday with me, your host, Renee Washington. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the play-in game on Saturday in the NBA and all the other sports games going on this weekend. And I'll see you back on Monday for more Locked On Wizards. Washington, out.